0: Good evening. So good to have you with us this evening. This is something that we are doing a few times this year with our elders. We call it Shepherd Talk, and we're we're speaking with each one of our elders individually on a particular topic. Tonight, of course, is the topic of spiritual growth. I have Tim Smith with us. The purpose of this whole dialogue is to learn something about spiritual growth, but the overall purpose of this series is to get you to see Uh, our elders and get to know them a little better from a different perspective. Uh, I think what I said the last time when Larry Bell was up here is we want to give you a look into the heart of these men that serve you and serve alongside you. I'm going to start by just asking Tim to tell a little bit about himself, kind of what he does, who his family is, how long he's been here, all those kind of things. Well, first off, I'd like to uh, say how much I appreciate the words of encouragement.
1: Larry told me before I got up here, don't make us look bad. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Debbie, and we brought our family here in 2007. Uh, we, ce- we celebrated our 11th anniversary here at Oldham Lane on July 5th, 15th of this, of this month. And uh, we have three children. Our oldest two girls live in Oklahoma City. Their prof- professional career is going there now. They're on their own paycheck. And uh, we have a son, Ethan, who's about to start his second year at Harding. And my parents are both members here, uh, uh, Maxie and Travis Smith, and my dad was an elder, served as an elder here for some time as well. So it's been a, a great place to call home. Fantastic.
0: Well, we're going to start with just a simple question with okay. hopefully a simple definition. What mm-hmm. is spiritual growth? How do you see spiritual growth? You know, uh, growing spiritually. That's it, huh? Okay. You know, this is going to go a lot better if you can expand on those questions a little bit. <laughs> you know, when you think about spiritual growth,
1: Chris, I think about our spiritual development. I think about our development from the time that we are newborns in Christ to the time that we continue as we continue our study and continue to grow, you know, for the rest of our lives. And to borrow a, a quote from a, one of the greatest intellects of modern time, Chris McCurley. <laughs> There we
0: go.
1: <laughs> I've heard Chris say on several times, when he's talking about worship, for example. He says, worship is a deliberate act. I've heard you say that several times. And spiritual growth is no different. It's a deliberate act. It's not something that you just happen to, you know, just fall into. If you want to have spiritual growth, it requires some positive change in your life. And, and to make change, that means you have to do some things differently. So it may be that you have to look at your calendar and look at your daily calendar activities and see how you're going to put, uh, fit in more Bible study. It may be that you have to uh, figure out how you're going to adjust your prayer life, what type of conversations you're going to have, what types of events you're going to attend. It can be, It's a combination of things,
0: but it takes a deliberate act in order to grow spiritually. Okay, so we move from the what to the why. Why okay. is it important? Why do we need to grow spiritually?
1: I know I'm not the only one that sees the mire that the world can create. You know, the world can be kind of like quicksand. It can be all-consuming. You can fall into that mire, and before you know it, you're just totally consumed by the the quicksand. And that's what the world offers. What Jesus offers, he offers us a lifeline. He offers us a line out of the mire. He offers us a, a way out. I think about what the basic teachings are of Christianity. I look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Think about this. Comfort for those that are struggling. Humility, putting others before yourself. Seek to be right with God. Have mercy on others. Strive for a life of purity and be a peacemaker. Now, if you can incorporate all of those things into your daily life, think about the positive, that that's, that the positive turnaround that you're going to have. If you're struggling in any of these areas of being a peacemaker, if you're struggling with knowing how to comfort individuals, man, the Bible is full of stories. Scripture is full of stories that show us how to do these things. But think about these. This is, you know, Jesus offers us such a positive lifestyle. When I think about Jesus himself, what were his priorities? You know, Jesus didn't come just, I mean, he came to to give us an avenue to heaven. He he came and offered us salvation. But something else he offered us was a perfect example on how to live our lives. And I think about the priorities that Jesus had in his life. You know, Chris, we talked about this over at at my house a week or two ago, something I brought up to you that is on my mind a lot when I think about Jesus and his sacrifice. Jesus knew he was going to die for us. Think about, you ever think about the time period that he chose to die? You know, what if Jesus had said, Hey God, how about if I come to earth in 2018 and I'm executed in the state of Texas, then you slip a needle in my arm and put me to sleep and it's all done. You know, he could have come at any time. But Jesus came to die during the time of the earth when it was the most barbaric stage. And, think, and that's what, and he did that for a reason. Look at the way he lived his life, what his priorities were, and look at the way he chose to die for us.
0: And so there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. Okay, so you start with the what, you go to the why. So let's think about the how. I mean, if we're okay. going to implement this practically, what are just some simple things that we can do to grow spiritually?
1: I was reading an article some time ago, and a guy had a quote in this article, and I wish I could give the, the proper credit, but I don't remember the title of the article or who wrote it, but there are several things, and I, I, I got this first line here from him, and I thought about several other things along the way, but this one line that I got from this article I thought was very profound. He said, be a river, not a swamp. You know, think about that in a spiritual context. You know, I doubt I have to elaborate a whole lot on that for most of us to really figure out what that means. But, you know, in John chapter 7 and verse 38, Jesus says, rivers of living water will flow from the heart of those who believe in me. Rivers of living water will flow from the believer's hearts. You know, when you think about, when you think about a, a stream, think about a, one of these beautiful streams that come from the top of the mountains, the snow-capped mountain. We've seen though we see them on commercials. We see the people out there in the beautiful streams, and it's just it just it's like purity. The water is so crystal clear, you can see the fish swimming in the bottom. You know, and it just the and, the, and it just continually flows. The river just seen it never stops. And then you think about the opposite. You think about the the uh, uh, you think about the stagnant swamp. Water comes in and just sits and bacteria begins to grow. It becomes, un, you know, it's, you can't consume it. It's, uh, and it lets very little water out. As, these, as a believer, as these blessings flow into our lives, it's our obligation as Christians to allow these blessings to flow out to other people and to keep the stream alive. And so I think about, the, I think about how we are to continue with that living water. And then a second suggestion I would offer will be to identify your blessings. You know, we hear this all the time, don't take things for granted, but we do every day, don't we? Think about all the things that God provides us that we take for granted. Yesterday, Debbie and I were coming home from Oklahoma, and she she said, "You remember, Tim, a couple of years ago, the weather was about like this, and our A.C. went out just by the time we left Oklahoma? I said, yeah, I remember vividly. It was miserable. You know how long, when it's 105, 106, you know how long the A.C. can go out before you realize it in a car? About three seconds. You know, it's about how long it takes. And so we have so many things to uh, to to be thankful for. We need to make sure that we identify these blessings with God, that we thank Him properly. We need to make sure that we nurture a shared prayer life. You know, we talk about the importance of having a prayer life. You ever think about the importance of sharing a prayer life with other people, inviting other people in on their prayer life, and praying with them as well? Think about when you visit somebody, whether it's a a critical life-threatening situation, a tragic event, or a a time of celebration, or uh, maybe just sitting around for a meal, a casual meal. Think about the difference that prayer can make. I remember uh, a few months back, we were in Waco at a restaurant, and the waiter brought our food out. And my family said grace, and I noticed that the waiter waited next to our table while we finished our saying grace, and he stepped up to us and he said, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate that. He said, I've worked here for five or six months. I've never seen anybody do that. You know, those are things that as Christians we take for granted. We do all the time, but the world is watching. Help someone restore their faith. You know, we ourselves can't restore anyone's faith, but we can be in the process we can help. You ever been with somebody and, and really encouraged them and, and helped them to troublesome situations and see them make a, a turnaround in their life? Think about the feeling that gives you. Learn to be a grateful person. You know, we go to what, when we go to God in prayer, what do we do? We ask him to forgive us. We ask him to help us through these difficult times. We ask him to heal us. We ask him to keep us safe. We ask, we ask, we ask. Do we ever just take a time and just say thank you? Thank you, God, for what you do. You know, we're created in God's own image, right? So think about this. How how do you feel if the only time you see somebody, every time you see this particular person, all he does is ask you for something? You know, we've, we've probably known people like that. Sometimes I'm that way when it comes to God. Probably most of us are. We get caught up in the things that we need, and things that we desire, that we forget to give the proper, proper Thanksgiving. Share the journey with others. You ever come back on a real exciting vacation that you planned for months? You finally got to go on that vacation, you get home. Chris, what's the first thing you want to do when you get back? Uh, you want to eat something, take a shower, <laughs> those kind of things. <laughs> but well, when you see your friends, what do you want
0: yes. to do? You want to tell them all about it. You
1: want to it. tell them all yeah. about it. I remember my mom and dad talking about the old days of of uh, people inviting them over to the house for supper so they could show them the slideshows of their vacations. You know, enduring some of those slideshows. And so, but you know, that's, that's the kind of enthusiasm that we need to have about Christianity. Willing to share, wanting to share, wanting to serve. Wanting to serve for, for God and to serve to help other people. And serve when it's not just a financial reward for us, but serve for the act of serving. In John 13, 1 through 5, we see that God washes, the, uh, washes his disciples' feet. I remember this morning, Chris was talking about earning MBA, mm-hmm. the MBA, the
0: mop-bucket
1: uh, attitude, mop-bucket attitude. Yeah. Mop bucket attitude. You know, that's exactly what Jesus is demonstrating here, what, how to serve and why to serve. Turn your worries over to God. Boy, howdy. Turn your worries over to God. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, this is one I struggle with every day. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know that there's a simple answer. You know, Chris, when I think about turning my worries over to God, I, I think, to me, there's a difference between worry and concern. Right. You know, when my, when my kids are driving through the Metroplex, I'm going to be concerned sure. while they drive through the Metroplex.
0: As an elder, you're going to be concerned about I'm gonna, the congregation. I'm gonna,
1: exactly. Concerned about the congregation. So we have concerns all the time. Where I believe that the worry really begins to creep in is when you can't turn loose of it. Yeah. You know, when you have concerns, but you just can't turn them loose, they begin to eat away at you. Sure. At that point, you know, you've got to be able to release some of these things. Aaron Aminat and I worked closely together for the last five years at school as assistant principals. And, you know, Aaron has one of those young memories. He still remembers everything. <laughs> one of those young minds. I forget everything. And so he, he always teases me about, you know, Always forgetting things. And I brag sometimes and say, Aaron, that's my superpower. I'm able to turn loose some of those things.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, with, with practice, you know, you do get you do get better at some of those things. And lastly, you know, in Psalms 55, 21, give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. And spread love wherever you go. Folks, that's what we do. That's what we're called to do as Christians. I want to read a quote here from someone that we're all familiar with. Mother Teresa, when I saw this quote, I thought, man, this is really profound when you're talking about love. She says, spread love everywhere you go. First of all, in your own house. Let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face. Kindness in your eyes. Kindness in your smile. Kindness in your warm greeting." Being kind in every aspect. People should see the kindness that you have. They should see the love that you have. They should see the the blessings flowing from your heart out to other people. And then meditate on Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. We need to read the passages. We need to meditate on them and let let it change us. The Scriptures will change our lives if we allow it.
0: So, all that's really good. I like that we can't force people to grow no we've talked about how it's a deliberate act spiritual growth is a deliberate act so my view is as the preacher it's my job to create a climate for growth an atmosphere for growth because as we said this morning we have a volunteer organization here and i can't force anything you can't force anything but what are some ways that we can create that climate or that environment how can we stimulate spiritual growth because you know it is difficult, but we're we're assuming that everyone that is coming and wanting to be a part of what we're doing here wants to grow spiritually. So how do we help them? What can we do? You know, Chris, it's almost like we're on the same page here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, mean, it's uh, like we talked about this uh, beforehand. Uh,
1: you know, we've heard we've heard the old, the old adage about uh, the greatest sermon ever preached is the one that you live. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a I mean there's that, that is, there's a lot. That's very powerful, and it's very true. But I think it stops a little bit short. I think a lot of times as Christians, we get caught up in the fact that we're going to live a godly life, and because of the way we live, it's automatically going to convert other people. Right. You know, we never can eliminate the need and expectations to teach. When you live a godly life, people should and people will see a difference in the way that you live your life every day than the way people of the world live theirs.
0: Because there is a remarkable difference between the two lifestyles. Well, and as you say that I'm I'm reminded of that tagline that I get on emails sometimes from from other preachers and things, from, I think it's attributed to St. Augustine, that says, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. And always think about that, it's always necessary to use, use words. words, but what you're saying is they're both necessary. Both to necessary. The, the influence as well as letting that open the door to speaking it. That's that's exactly what it's about, is that when people
1: see that difference, it's an opportunity to open up conversations. You know, Think about all the times that people come up to you and ask you different questions that, well, I've noticed you pray all the. I notice you pray over your food. Why do you do that? Or I notice you always you always seem to be so happy. I mean, yeah. what's the secret? Or I noticed that you don't go to these types of parties that I go to all the time. Huh? Why do you not do these things? These are avenues. When people see that you're living a life a different lifestyle, they're curious, natural curiosity. Sure. And so those are teaching moments. Those are times to really teach people. I don't know about who Jesus is, what your beliefs are, and why you believe the way that you do. And so those are golden opportunities. I want to throw this out there also Chris We've also probably most of us have heard the old adage the squeaky wheel gets the oil mm-hmm. Folks that's true. It is true. Uh, and and mo- in a lot of cases, that's true but I want you to think about this If you're the type of person that you're bound to determine you're going to get your way at all cost And that's what it costs you sometimes You go to the supervisor and you chew on the supervisor, you yell at the supervisor, you call him everything in the book, you still don't get what you want, you go to the next person up the ladder, and finally, you know, you create such havoc that it comes a point where you may get what you want just so they can get you satisfied and get rid of you. Right? right? And then people leave, leave there thinking, hey, I got what I wanted. But what did it cost you? What did you pay for that? Did, are those people going to respect you? Are those people ever going to see the Christian influence in you? And so we always have to be above that. We have to be, you know, the, you know those, there's a saying, the nice people finish last. What that means is nice people don't always get what they want like those that are real assertive and aggressive. Right. But, you know, look, that's, that's coming from a worldly standpoint. Think about what you earn, the respect you earn when you handle yourself, even in the most... Con, even in the most uh, uh, in situations that can have be very potentially volatile type situations, the way you handle yourself speaks volumes. I want to tell you, some folks, I, I make my share of mistakes like the rest of you, and I don't sit I don't sit up here in front of you like uh, uh, someone who's perfect. You know, these I'm, I I really admire Chris's philosophy. When I've heard him say this a lot about people ask me where I get my sermons, and he says I think about things I struggle with. Mm-hmm. If I'm struggling with this, I'm sure other people are as well. But there was one time that I did something well. And there was a man that came into my office years ago, screaming, hollering, cursing, and didn't have an idea what he was talking about. But I was able to keep my composure, speak to him in a professional manner, and we kind of got through that situation. I told him I'd get back with him. About two hours later, he calls back. And he's apologizing. He sounds like a whipped puppy dog mm-hmm. because he's so embarrassed about the way he behaved. He came back later and he told me how much he appreciated, sure. you know, the way I, I, I uh, handled that meeting. And he apologized and apologized. And for about three years after that, his kid was in school, and we had a very good rapport. And I've often thought back, what would our rapport have been like for the next three years if I had responded in the way that he.
0: You know, came at me. Yeah, if you had reacted. If I'd instead. reacted the way that he was responding. That's and let, right. let's let me ask you, based okay. on that, uh, it, it's got to be a challenge to hold on to that, mm-hmm. being a high school principal. I would assume. Can you tell? I'm sure you can, that your dedication to spiritual growth has had a positive impact on the faculty, the students. Uh, I mean, can you can you see that? Or, I mean, I'm sure there's days you wonder if you're making any kind of impact. But I mean, I, I like to think so. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate where, where I work. I work with a lot of, a lot of uh, really good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they love kids and, and uh, they love people. And one of our philosophies at work is that we're not there. you know, we're the, the professionals. We have parents that come in that are, that are very upset, but we have to remember that's their cub. Mm-hmm. You know? And no, those are the times that people can be the most vulnerable is when their children are hurting. Right. You know when a little girl comes home crying for something that may have happened at school or whether they were treated or so forth? You know whether the little girl is right, wrong, indifferent? It's upsetting to the parent. Right. And so we have, you know, this is just one example because this is my world and where I live. But uh, no matter what, where you work, the same principles apply. <laughs> we're we're, told, we're, we're taught to be the professionals, and it's not our goal to throw gas on the fire. Right. If we have people that come in, people come in for upset for various reasons, our job, our obligation is to de-escalate so that we can have a good verbal dialogue so we can do what's best for kids. Sure. And that's what we do as Christians. You know, we, when we have people that come in these doors, and we're open to the public, and people come in here with all sorts of hurts and all sorts of problems, some of them can be upset from things that they might hear here. And so it's our job to go out and de-escalate, to find a common ground, to things where we can talk in a rational way sure. and, and teach them in a loving way. Well, let me, let me ask you
0: this, and then okay. we'll, we'll kind of close out. Okay. What hinders spiritual growth? I mean, uh, what, what are some of the factors that are going to cause your spiritual growth to be stunted where you're not growing anymore? You know... I think, about,
1: uh, I think about the darkness of the world. Mm-hmm. I think about the fog that we're in, that we're in sometimes. And I think about uh, how difficult it can be at times to find your way out when you're in one of those fogs. You know, when you, when, you let, when you allow yourself to fall so deep into that mire, it can lead to all sorts of mental issues, high anxieties, depressions, things of that nature, things that are legitimate medical conditions. Sure. Uh, you can have physical, uh, physical problems as well. But, you know, my, my overall, if I had to put this under one umbrella as to the things that are the most detrimental to, to spiritual growth, I would say selfishness.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, i thought a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. I've tried to come up with a sin, a particular sin that I thought would not fit under that umbrella of selfishness. I personally have not been able to come up with one. In some, in some realm, there's usually or always some type of selfishness involved when you talk about sin, lack of spiritual growth. Because what are the things that keep you from growing spiritually, you don't want to put the time in to come to worship service. You don't want to put the time in for prayer. You don't want to put the time in uh, uh, to teach others. You don't want to put time in for Bible study. You don't want you don't want the financial. You feel like there's a, might be a financial burden to being a being a Christian, sure. and so these are things that I have better. I want to spend my time doing other things. I want to spend my money doing other things, and we allow we allow a lot of these things in the world to creep into our lives and to keep us from growing spiritually. I mean, think about this. You give a ten year old you give a ten year old boy an option. Hey, we're gonna go outside and play ball, or we're going to go sit for an hour, or we're going to go sit, you know, 45 minutes to an hour in Bible class, and we're going to study, you know, what are most 10-year-old kids going to pick, you know, we can't put things in competition for God, we can't compete with, you know, we don't want to put things out there to make kids or other people choose to do something else rather than serve God, because that's what, there's so many of those temptations out there, I had a teacher tell me one time, we were, at, we were having a good conversation about trying to think of some creative ways of teaching lessons and brainstorming. We were coming up with a lot of what we thought were really good things. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, You know, Tim, what you're saying, I really agree with. There's some good things here that the group is talking about. But sometimes we have to remember work is just work. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what it is. We get so caught up in trying the fun and games and so forth. But, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, it's, we're talking about spiritual work or church work it's work and some people just don't want to put in the time the effort the financial means in order to see those those works yeah, it takes energy it takes effort exactly in all of those things
0: right. yeah i want to i want to say this i mentioned it this morning but you know what the whole goal of this is to kind of give our congregation a, a look into the heart of our eldership i know that most folks here know who our elders are and they they uh they hear from you, and uh, they can talk to you one-on-one, but I wanted them to, to kind of see you know, some insight into some of these topics, and I want our congregation here to know that you guys, before every meeting, you pray for the members who are in need. If there's been sure. something brought to your attention, uh, you guys are also really good about dealing with problems that come up as they happen. I know that you've been out late nights and, uh, in people's homes trying to, as you said, de-escalate or encourage or, you know, love on and pray for folks uh, in this congregation that are sick or that are in need in some way. And so uh, I really do appreciate that. And and I, I want to close out by offering an invitation to, to anyone that, that might need to come and talk to one of the elders or to myself or one of the staff members if there's something that uh, is pressing on you and you need to the prayers of this church family, then certainly bring it to these men or to one of us, and we can bring it to them as well. And uh, I thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate you being with us, and hopefully we've gained a greater insight, I know I have, into spiritual growth. And again, if we can help you in some way, please let us know if you'd like to study the Bible, uh, if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. Stephen's going to lead us in a, in a song, and so we'd invite you to, to come forward as, as we all stand and as we sing.